Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 13, if you're keeping track at home. I like to say it's lucky number 13. Some people say it's unlucky, but you don't always have to listen to those people. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker, joined always by my co-host, Jolon Bioka. Jolon, welcome. 824, Kobe episode, day after his birthday. Yeah, absolutely, and we miss Kobe Bryant every single day, and that was just the beginning of what 2020 would bring for the rest of us, unfortunately. But we have a jam-packed show for you, just as always. Live sports are continuing. Jolon, there's so much excitement. I'm going to start down in Orlando, okay, with the NBA. We're going to start down there for a little bit, and then we're going to head into Major League Baseball. We'll talk some football as, as we go on. You know what? We're going to sprinkle in the NHL, too. So let's go right to Orlando with the NBA. We're in the playoffs, Jolon. So well, what's kind of going on with these matchups that we predicted last time? So, yeah, we could start in the East, and I had predicted um, the Celtics and Sixers, I think, over a few games. But the Celtics end up sweeping. Uh, Boston takes them 4-0. Um, sends them home early. Got a lot of questions with Philadelphia right now. Do you do you think the 76ers find a suitor for Embiid and try to trade him off or try to trade Simmons off? Because something's not working over there. I do not think Embiid is the one to go. I think Ben Simmons is. I think Embiid can do too many things that are modern in this type of NBA, like shoot the three ball. I think he's an athletic big man down there. He's got really nifty footwork when he wants to be. I think they got to find a balance between getting him the ball in the right spots against the right opponent, by the way. Like the Celtics, at certain points, you got to get him the ball. He's your only offensive weapon, and they need to get more shooters around him, to be completely honest. Because I mentioned this last time, the, co- the comparison between him and LeBron in terms of playing on the block and surrounding them with shooters. They're much better in that scenario. Now, is that saying they're not great? No. But they need those shooters around them to make it a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, in the last closeout game, Kemba had 32, Tatum had 28, and Jalen Brown had 16, so it is hard to beat a, a trio like that when they're working and they're hot. And then the Raptors, they also sweep the Nets, another sweep in the East. They go up 4-0, send the Nets home. But the Nets... You could see a lot of promise with them. You see a lot of young core guys now working into some playoff spots because of the injuries, and they got some guys injured that will come back next year and could project them to a championship run. What are your thoughts on that series and that team as a whole? Yeah, I thought they would steal a game, and they were pretty close in Game 2. And then I thought they had a chance later in the series, but unfortunately right after that Game 2, we found out that Joe Harris left the bubble for a non-medical emergency, so or non-medical matter Joe Harris, if you're not familiar, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He's had the best percentage, I think, over the past few years. He's shooting at like 46% or something like that. Yeah, and there's a minimum amount of shots, so he's shooting at a high clip. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. But regardless, you mentioned those guys coming back, and they're not just any guys. It's Kevin Durant, who's arguably the best player on the planet when healthy. One of the best scorers, if not the best. Correct. He's one of the best scorers of all time. Pure, Pure scorer. He's one of the best of all time. Then you have Kyrie Irving, who the last time he was a sidekick to anybody, went to four straight finals with LeBron James and won a championship with the game-winning shot in 2016 in Game 7 of that 3-1 comeback. So there's a lot to look forward to. You know, you got to bring back Karis LeVert. Hopefully you can bring back Spencer Dinwiddie. Hopefully you can bring back Spencer Dinwiddie with that team and keep those guys together. But you talk about, like, Jared Allen down there. Uh, Joe Harris, as we talked about, Karis LeVert, as I mentioned, and you add those pieces in. We're going to see what they can do in free agency, too. Don't forget about DeAndre Jordan, too. You never know. I think this is a really fascinating team to watch, especially going into next year. But credit to the Raptors. 
By the way, in game four, their bench scored 100 points. 100 points. Your bench, if you get like 40 out of your bench a night, you're pretty good. To get 100 out of your bench, that kind of just tells me they didn't they didn't really play their starters that much. And, I mean, realistically, let's be honest. So, But regardless, kudos to them. They did a really good job. Nick Nurse, coach of the year. Whether they talk about uh, whether they play their starters rather or not, you can still see substantial depth on that team. So it is a good thing to see while they continue their playoff run. Next series, the Bucks and Magic. The Bucks have a 2-1 lead over the Magic. But credit to the Magic, they took a game against the number one seed. And their defense has been phenomenal. Uh, care to comment on this? Well, that makes two consecutive years that they've taken the first game from the number one overall seed. In the first round of the playoffs, they did it to the Toronto Raptors last year. Toronto went on to win a championship. So, pretty fascinating. Just a quick note on Toronto. I just want to clear this up. I didn't get to mention this. Them and Boston will meet for the first time in both franchises' histories in the playoffs. They, they've met in the regular season, obviously, because they're both in the Eastern Conference. They've never met in the postseason. Again, Nick Nurse, the head coach. Brad Stevens, basically the Sean McVay of basketball. Obviously, more sustained over the past few years, I you know, again, it's not directly comparable, but it's a pretty decent comparison. And this is that's gonna be a really good matchup. But back to your back to your point, back to the magic, back to the Bucks. Again, home court advantage for Orlando in game one mattered. Did they have any fans? No. It was a Milwaukee home game. But they were playing in Orlando, so I can just say it was a home home court advantage. But regardless, I think you're kind of just seeing Giannis and those guys are too much for them. But are they exposing themselves for further rounds? Yes, I do. I still think Giannis isn't playing enough. He needs to play more minutes. Because what have we seen from LeBron? He averages 35 minutes in the regular season. Oh, that's too much? Well, guess what? He's asked to play 42 minutes in the postseason. You have to... That's that's a seven-minute jump, and that's even hard to do. Giannis is going from like playing 30 minutes in the regular season to, to maybe at some point having to play 42 that's a whole quarter extra he's got to play. That's hard to get your body in shape for that. This raises a lot of questions, too, because the Bucks they're really good at shooting mid-ranges and taking layups and dunking the ball, but they're not good at adapting to today's league where you have to start shooting three-pointers. They're really good with the lead and not so good without it because when they're, fo- when they're playing from behind, they have to catch up, and doing those mid-ranges and taking those layups is not going to cut it the lead as much as you want it like a three-pointer. Right. Chris Middleton's a pretty good three-point shooter, but you need in, a, more. in the postseason, he's typically only really good against the Boston Celtics. You have Brooke Lopez. Eh. Still a, still a center, though, so you got to look out for that. It's just, it worries me, you know, going into that round. It, it, it is... It concerns me when they move on. We're gonna ha- we're gonna find out a lot about the Bucks here as, as we move forward. So moving forward from one of the worst teams in the East shooting a three pointer to some of the best, you have the Miami Heat and the Pacers. Miami actually has a three zero lead. I predicted a better match than this. I think seven. You had predicted seven two, and Miami's running away with it. Experience, Eric Spolstra. What can you say about these guys? So I think what happened when I predicted these games was that I forgot that. There literally is no home court advantage. Because I do think if this series was going back from Miami to Indiana and back and forth, I do think we'd see seven games. I do think it would matter, these home courts. But unfortunately, in the bubble, anything can happen. Now, unfortunately for Indiana, nothing could happen as well. And that is literally what has happened to them in this series. So Miami, just a great three-point shooting team. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, guys that can just flat-out shoot it. 
They got Jimmy Butler, who's as tough of a guy as you're going to find in this league. Kendrick Nunn, who's also a great rookie. Right, a rookie who's a finalist for Rookie of the Year. and you, We didn't even mention him. You got Bam Adebayo, who might actually be able to guard Giannis. So there's a lot of there's a lot to like about this Miami Heat team, and I'm fascinated to see them going forward. Obviously, now that I mean three zero, there's probably like I don't know if any team has ever come back from three zero in basketball. No, it's happened in the NHL a couple times. It happened in baseball. I don't think in basketball either. Three one's been done very few. Correct. I think twice now with Warriors in 2016, and then the following same season after series, the Cavs beat them three one too, because they yeah. had to come back on the Thunder. And the Cavs came back, but there might be more to that. So maybe, regardless, it's happened less than two handfuls yes. of times. It's happened yes. less than ten times, no doubt. So this series is all but over. And the thing with Miami, what they're doing to Indiana, if you if you haven't watched these games, the games are really close. And then Miami goes in this little 10-11 run spurt. And then they just get back to trading baskets. Well, now Miami wins by 11 or 12. So scoreboard's a little bit deceiving, but credit Miami with that run. Credit Eric Spolstra, another guy who coached LeBron, who doesn't get any credit because, well, he coached one of the greats. We found out how much credit Phil Jackson had to get in the last dance with Michael Jordan. I think, you know, Eric Spolstra's not Phil Jackson. That's not what I'm saying. My point is is that guys that coach these superstars, they need to get some respect. They get overlooked a lot. Correct. And especially a guy like Eric Spolstra who stayed in the league, has had this success. Good for him. I hope they continue and a team that is on a crash course to meet the Milwaukee Bucks in round two, and I think they can give them a lot of problems. So that wraps up the East Coast. Head over to the West, take a little quick flight. Actually, we're all staying in Miami. But for the West, it's Lakers over Blazers. They have a 2-1 series lead, and you had to ask the question, could this Blazers team beat the Lakers after the game one that the Lakers had dropped? So that, to me, was a little bit of an overreaction. I, I listened to everything sports that you could possibly listen Dame to. Dame Dalla. Charles Barkley broke out the broom, said Blazers in four. You know, Dame's a great story, but this is, you know, if this was one game series, we'd be okay. You know what's sad? That's not Chuck's worst take. No, <laughs> no, it's all. not. And, that, you know, <laughs> that is the sad part. But regardless, they, if this was a one game, they would have eliminated the Lakers. Problem is... He's in a seven-game series. Talent takes over, and that's what the Lakers have. And LeBron is so—he's such a chameleon. I think is is the one that changes its form and its oh, shape. Yeah. It adapts to what it needs to be. Great reference. And that's what LeBron needs to be. He can sometimes he can score ten points, and the team blows him out by thirty. Or he can do game what he two. did in Game Three, and score thirty-eight points, have twelve rebounds, and eight assists. And AD also had his 25-plus and his his board. So Correct. The two superstars can carry if need be. Right. So who knows what's going to happen with those two, but they are setting up for a deep playoff run, and it is truly exciting. I think the Cinderella story with the Portland Trailblazers runs out. Uh, Dame dislocated a finger. It's kind of tough to come back from that. So, And this Lakers defense is no joke. So even when they were... 5 of 32 from three-point land in game one, they defensively can find it. So from one L.A. team that looking a smooth coast the first round to another one in a bit of jeopardy, you have the L.A. Clippers now tied 2-2 with the Mavericks off of beautiful Luka, Daka, uh, Luka Doncic three-pointer to end the game yesterday. They're now tied at two. Mavs want to be here. 
Mavs won without Porzingis. Speaks a lot about them and a lot about the Clippers. Your thoughts? And if you look at it, they should be up 3-1 in this series because... Porzingis ejection Porzingis was soft. Porzingis got ejected, and that was a really soft ejection in Game 1. They were on their way to winning that game. So I'm not really 100% sure what's happening, but I think Luka is just showing us who he really is. The dude is cementing himself as a top 10 player in these playoffs. Do you think he's going to be top 10 all time? You see the over-exaggerations already. But to Luca's credit, you see glimpses of greatness, of absolute greatness. I mean, his stats are going to be ridiculous. Let's, yeah. let's just be honest because that's the way the NBA is going. He's putting up almost a 30-point triple-double average. He's the youngest player to hit a 40-point triple-double in the playoffs. Right, so. he hit that in Game 4 with the famous shot that we were just talking about. So... I, he's going to be just so good for so long. He might find his way. I'm going to go top 50 for now, but we're going to see. Is he going to be better than Dirk? I mean, Dirk's up there. You know, can he have that well, sustained Dirk's like top excellent? 15. He is so- right, that's what I'm saying. He's pretty far up that list. So we're going to see how long it takes him, but his stats are going to be through the roof, no doubt. You still I, like Clippers, though? I do in the end because they have Kawhi Leonard and Luka's just not – there yet in my eyes and what did we talk about i i said and and this is where i'm wrong credit to anybody who doubted me lucas won two games for them he has won two games now he literally won game four by himself period point blank but you know you can make an argument game two he's the best player on their team so i you know i think he kind of carried them to two wins here already which would make me wrong because i said i thought he could only get them to one but I think with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, who, by the way, has got to show up. Playoff, He's show three up. for 13. Yeah, Charles Barkley, good take here. You know, good take here. He said, you can't be playoff P if you keep coming up short all the time. Okay, you, you just can't. He, and, and the best part of the, about that quote was at the end, he goes, yeah, nobody calls me championship Chuck because he's the best player to have not won a championship in probably NBA history. Or it's got to be really close. But he's probably the top dog in terms of talent to have never won a championship. Yeah, you can mention Stockton, Stockton, um, Malone days on the Jazz. But yeah, yeah they're, they're up there. Yeah, they're up there. But I mean, they ran into Jordan, so it's a little, just a hair bit different. I mean, sort of Barkley. Yeah, they all ran point, into Jordan. Yeah, so, but that was a funny quote from him. They don't call me Championship Chuck. You don't hear him call him CC around the studio. So, I think the Clippers just, I think they get there in the end. But they do miss Patrick Beverly right now. Montrez Harrell is trying to get into shape. It's a tough road for them, and it will be a tough road as we continue. So continuing with the close matchups, Clippers are now tied with the Mavs. I had said that. The Nuggets are now down one to two games to the Jazz, and the Jazz have Mike Conley returning. Donovan Mitchell has been exceptional these playoffs. Your thoughts on this series? So they're actually down three. To, Utah is up three to one. Three to one. Jamal Murray and Excuse Donovan me, Mitchell combined for 101 points in game four because they both went for 50. I believe it was Donovan Mitchell who went for 51. Jamal Murray went for 50. Absolutely crazy. By the way, it's bonkers. They are two guys that just down the stretch, you just give them the ball, get out of the way. They'll take Period. over. Absolutely no doubt. So this series flipped on its head for me because I thought this was going to be a sweep for the Denver Nuggets. I forgot that Donovan Mitchell plays for Utah. You were just seeing so much offensive potential, and then Denver reminds you with their poor defense that yeah, they could lose any series. Yeah, their defense has been second to Portland in terms of worst in the bubble, and Portland's defense has been atrocious. 
they've been atrocious. So to even be remotely close to them is a really bad look for Denver. Early glimpse Wizards of the bubble were also bad. But they are... <laughs> well, we knew that going in that the Wizards yeah. were going to be bad. <laughs> we haven't heard a ton about Bull Bull, which I'm kind of upset about. I thought he played really well in those seeding games, the exhibition games. I thought, you know, maybe we'd see him not emerge because he's still a really young player. But I thought we'd see him make a bigger impact here as we get as we get into the playoffs. But we haven't heard much from anybody if you're Denver. So that cleans up the Nuggets and Jazz. Now the last series in the West is the Rockets and Thunder. The Rockets are up two games to one against the Thunder. Surprising, Thunder could even take a game. I had the Rockets sweeping. Yeah, I did not have them sweeping. I thought this was going to be a really exciting series. And in part due to how hot and cold the... Houston Rockets can get. To me, it's like Icy Hot. That's that's their team. When that when Icy Hot is hot, and if you've ever used it, you know. It is burning. <laughs> when they are cold, you feel like you're in an ice box. So that's the kind of team we're looking at. And you look at how the Thunder won game three. James Harden fouls out. They go on a 12-0 run to start overtime. A lot of different factors had to go their way, but it did. It did go their way. So here they are. Chris Paul, that terrific backcourt that they have, they have another chance to tie this series and put more pressure on Houston. And I'll tell you who's the number one fan of OKC. LeBron James and the LA Lakers. They are the number one fan of the of the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. Because if they beat them, walk through, walk through. It's a walk through. Yeah, the Lakers will just walk through the Thunder Straight to play the Clippers in the conference finals, no doubt. Well, that wraps up NBA playoffs. Some more NBA news. The lottery's out. Goose, what are your thoughts on this? Who fell where? Everything. Well, the Knicks fall to the eighth spot. And my God, man, listen, Stephen A. Smith is my favorite guy at ESPN. People know that. He's a resident Knicks fan. You just got to feel bad for him at some point. Then you realize James Dolan's their owner. And then you don't really feel as much sympathy but so I think you feel the sympathy for the people. You feel it for the diehard fans, the fans that have been there through everything, through the playoffs when they used to go with Melo and Jay Lynn and all that stuff. They get the eighth overall pick. Last year was the, uh, listen, last year was the year. Let's be honest. They could have gotten Zion or Ja, and they ended up with RJ Barrett. Now RJ Barrett's not a bad player, but he's no Zion or Ja. So we're going to have to see how that goes. They get the 8th overall pick in a draft where I don't know if there's 8 great players. You know, who knows? We're going to have to see if they can find that dime in in the rough. Yeah, and then you obviously have the Timberwolves picking number 1. They also have good pieces to work off of. And then the Warriors picking number 2. Again, good pieces to work off of. Two of the teams that ended up landing the top 2 picks are basically on the, the runs of great rebuilds. I mean, the Warriors had to take a down year in the midst of their championship runs, and they're one or two players out from making a final couple runs. And then you have the Timberwolves, who have Cat and D'Lo now, who have, they have one third superstar away from really making runs in the West. So it's interesting to see how those uh, teams fell. Carl Anthony Towns, a New Jersey native, by the way. Yeah. And the cool. other thing, too, they're up for sale. So that's another intriguing piece. The Warriors might look to use... Somehow, Andrew Wiggins' contract, well, and Andrew Wiggins, the player, and the second overall pick to try and trade for somebody, I don't know who in their right mind would want that deal. I'm going to pass. Now, if Zion and Ja were in this draft, 
I would consider that number two pick extremely valuable. I like LaMelo Ball more than most. I do. And Wiseman I like more than most Right, as but well. he might go number one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, if there's no home run pick, that, that value for that pick goes way, way down. So, just keep that in the back of your minds as we move forward here. So, that wraps up NBA. We can continue on to MLB, where we could talk about the hottest team in baseball, the hottest team in sports right now, Slam Diego Padres. Yeah, they're a lot of fun to watch, and... We've heard a lot about these BS, unwritten rules that baseball has, and Fernando Tatis in particular. Jolan, what what did he do to upset everybody, seemingly everybody in baseball? So in the eighth inning last week against the Texas Rangers, um, Tatis had a 3-0 count. Um, the bases were loaded, and a meatball of a pitch was thrown over the plate when his team was up 10-3. And instead of taking a strike, he smacked it outside of the park basically and hit a grand slam. The unwritten rule ethics come in, well, why don't you stop swinging? When do you start taking strikes? I think it's baloney. I think it's crud. And the Slam Diego Padres have now hit five grand slams in six games after these complaints. No, 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 no. You know what? Baloney's too soft. Okay, because some people actually like baloney. Yeah, but I can't curse, so. (laughs) I understand that, but this is crap. This is crap for Major League Baseball. They need to get over themselves. They need to stop at these 1920s rules crap okay this is embarrassing you first of all this isn't little league this isn't to make little johnny feel happy or make little johnny not go home and cry we they have to they have to let these guys compete what is he going to do take a strike then he gets set up on the next pitch and now it's 3-2 and if he strikes out that goes against him. Production is balls. profit. Production to these guys is literal profit. Home runs count from extra dollars in contract time. Oh, yeah. So who's going to respect your money? The owners are trying to get a break? I don't understand it. I It's really upsetting. Jeff Passon's had a field day with this. It's it's actually funny. The ESPN had a graphic the other day of the unwritten rules in baseball, and there was nothing written, and it was hilarious because it makes it just makes sense. There should be no unwritten rules. This is stupid. Then, what did they do? They hit five grand slams in the last six games. That's just silly. Jolan, for perspective, Alex Rodriguez has 23 in his entire career. And that's like the tops all time. That's like a 15-year story career. Like That is a really storied career. And to another point, where baseball wants to talk about integrity, they want to talk about this, they want to talk about that, and unwritten rules, all the Astros players, guys, that cheated to a World Series are still on the field. So baseball is picking and choosing their battles again. Rob Manfred's picking and choosing his battles again. And it just looks bad for the sport entirely for them to go after San Diego for playing as well as they've been. So I was wrong. Alex Rodriguez has 25. Still, regardless, that's absurd. That's two more than Lou Gehrig, by the way. Lou Gehrig at 23. I don't think this is so much coming from Rob Manfred. I think this is more coming from the owners. And, John, you know me. While I don't, I don't kill Manfred... Not his biggest fan, but I'm not going to put this on him. I'm uh, not. Oh, I don't like him. I do no, not. no. No, listen, everybody knows you don't. Everybody knows you don't. But regardless, I don't think this is coming from him. I think this is the owners and people that have been in baseball since like 1940. Those are the people that are really upset right now. They just got to get over it. This is the new fun, new fun league. The NFL is the no fun league. The MLB should change for the new fun league. 
So from great play to and criticism to no play at all, the Mets unfortunately have to cancel the Subway Series due to COVID concerns. Ryan, what can you tell us about this? So from what I understand, it was two players and a staff member. It was not a Pete Alonso, by the way, from what we understand. City is as healthy as an ox. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That guy, that guy's he's starting to come to his own. By the way, just as the Mets have to suspend their season, he starts coming into their own. Subway series that was going to be a lot of fun, Joel. On Aaron Judge was expected to be back for that series, so that was going to be a ton of fun. They had to cancel the game Thursday in Miami. Their test Thursday and Friday came back negative. So the incubation period is still 2 to 14 days. But my question is, what were they doing in Miami? Is it that Miami nightlife that caused this? Who was out of the team hotel? Come on. Listen, I know snitches get stitches, the whole saying, whatever. But not not with COVID. COVID is the exception. Everything's got an exception in life. And that's one of them. Okay? So somebody's got to tell the truth. Who was out on the town? Who was out in South Beach living it up? We got to know. But the the Mets will not be playing until further notice. They're going to turn into what St. Louis, we talked about them in the last podcast. Yep. 53 games in 44 days. Now it won't be that serious because the Mets have played a good chunk of games. Yeah. Regardless, they're going to have to catch up at some point. So, uh, Joel, what are your thoughts on the whole Mets thing? I, uh, to me, honestly, the way the team was going, they might need this break a little bit. They might need it. I was going to say that. They might have needed the break. And another thing about the Subway Series is the Yankees have a ton of guys injured right now. Do you have a list with you of how many guys are injured? Because I know it's a plethora of them. I know Stanton's out. I know Glaber Torres is out. I know James Paxton's out. Aaron Judge was set to return, but now he's still out. But the list goes so on and so forth, and I don't think the series would have been as hyped up as it would have been if everyone was healthy and here and sort of been the first series between these guys. But uh, honestly, it wasn't going to live up to the hype. So cancellation is going to set back for better games, I think, down the line. Yeah, so you mentioned that bug. And it's not the COVID bug, thankfully, for the Yankees. But it is the injury bug, and it might be time to get a new training staff. We're going to have to see on that one. But Giancarlo's hurt with his hamstring injury. Judge is coming back. It's, it's a lower body injury. I don't know if they really... They may have said calf or something like that, but he'll be fine. Zach Britton is done with a hamstring injury. Relief pitcher Luis Avilon has shoulder inflammation. DJ LeMay, who, who was batting over 400 on the season, is still out with a thumb injury. How although, I forgot DJ, yeah. Although I heard, you know, he's going to take some batting practice soon, so that's good news for the Yankees. Paxton's done with a forearm, and Glaber is done with a strained quad and hamstring. So the, the list goes on. The double whammy. The real double whammy there. You know, the, the hamstring's tough enough, and the quad isolated is tough enough. Now he's got both. So it's it's really brutal for them, and, and hopefully they get healthy soon. Listen, as much as I hate the Yankees, and I don't really hate them that much, but as much as I dislike them, you don't want to see guys hurt. You want these guys back at full strength. At full strength, they're going to win the World Series. I'm telling you this right now. Well, they're going to meet the Dodgers. We'll I, see who has the best series. I'm telling you right now, if they are healthy in the postseason, they are going to win the World Series. Period. Point blank. So we're going to take you from the diamond over to the ice, up to Toronto. So we've gone from Orlando to New York to Toronto, okay, where the NHL is. And we got some local hockey going on. John, you want to talk about that real quick? Well, yeah, the Islanders had advanced. They beat the Caps at a 4-1 in the series, and now they play the Flyers tonight, I think. 
They play the number one seed, the Flyers, tonight. Um, the Bruins, more local hockey. They beat the Lightning 3-2 in game one of round two. So now they have a 1-0 series lead. And um, the Rangers, because they get the number one pick. They've been called a great rebuild. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on the series? Everything NHL. Yeah, so the Bruins game was fascinating. They were up 3 nothing, and the Lightning came back in the third period to make it 3-2. Made them sweat a little bit. But in terms of the Rangers, they've been talked about as one of the greater rebuilds in the history of sports. Because Which is a big, big, big compliment. Think about all the teams that have been at the pinnacle to fall off and rebuild and do it again. You see the storied Yankees teams have done it plenty of times. Yeah, That's they, a really, really big credit. They've done a really good job. And again, when they were rebuilding, they didn't have scrubs on the team. It was just those guys that have been there a long time with those playoff experience. We're gone. That's it. You know, so they started rebuilding and you get into they they hit free agency right on the head. They get a star out of free agency. And then they get the number one overall pick with a guy who they're saying is once in a generation. I like my chances there. You know, you know, so they've done a terrific job. They they're probably I mean, I don't think probably they're going to be back in the playoffs next year in my eyes. Anyway, so they're a great team. The Devils Hopefully they can get some luck here with some first-round picks and kind of get back into relevancy. Listen, I love their $20 student rush tickets, but come on, man. I always say, if I can afford to go see my team play, they suck, okay? It's point-blank that simple. The Giants, if I can afford their tickets, they're garbage. Especially in the New York and New Jersey market. Correct. Same thing with the Mets. If I can afford it, likely it's either on discount or they suck. And oftentimes it's the second one. (laughs) Right. So hopefully they can return to some relevancy. So now we're going to take you from Orlando to New York, up to Toronto, back down to the south with college football. I want to just give a quick update. The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are still slated to play this year. They are still slated to play. The ACC is expected to begin September 7th, somewhere between the 7th and the 12th. The SEC is the 26th, the weekend of the 26th. And I haven't heard much from the Big 12. Sounds like they're going to start in September, early September as well. And unfortunately, UNC and Notre Dame had to shut down their campuses and they had to shut down practices due to a COVID outbreak. There's been parties everywhere. Auburn's having big parties. Again, guys, I don't want to say this because my voice is going to be gone. Stop partying. Well, no. If you want to play, stop partying. That's way better worded because these guys are allowed to party, but pick your path. Correct. And I had a problem with somebody that said this to me because they said, well, there's always going to be somebody. What do championship teams always say? If you're not all the way in, get off the field. Go home now. You're only as because, strong as your weakest link. Because, it's been like that as long as time. Right, because we don't want to be around you if you're not all in. It's the same thing here. If you are not all in and you want to go party, be our guest. Go live without your mask. Don't, go not get COVID tested ever again. Do whatever. But if you are bought into this team, whatever team it is, Clemson, Alabama, I'm just thinking top teams, Oklahoma, Texas, whatever, you have to stop partying. You have to follow the rules, follow the protocols. And I know there are guys doing that. There's a lot of top guys that are doing that. But we're just not seeing it from the whole roster. Until we do so, we're going to continue to see outbreaks and shutdowns like this, without a doubt. So from the NCAA football to 
National Football League football, there's been reports on false positive instances throughout the league. I'm just going to name some teams and the numbers they've seen. Then I'm going to ask Ron his thoughts and what this means for New Jersey's facilities and whatnot. So the Bears had nine false positive reports. The Jets had 10. The Vikings had 12. And the Steelers and Bills each had six. They've all come from the same New Jersey lab, I believe. Um, Ryan, what are the thoughts on this? What's going on with the NFL? So it's really fascinating. Adam Schefter, obviously the guy for NFL. 77 tests from this one New Jersey lab, which this lab takes in 11 different NFL teams. And they have come back with 77 false positives, which is a large number. It raises which a lot is of a large lives. number. Now there are five labs across the, across the NCAA. There are five labs across the NFL that that are that they're using. They're using their own private labs. They're not using other people's, you know, the general public's labs. So they're not. So New Jersey is not using New Jersey State's labs. Correct. Correct. So this is completely separate from the state, which is smart, by the way, because they would be getting their results for a week, up to two weeks from, from some people that I've heard that have gotten tested in the state. So, Joan, it raises the question. I understand integrity. But is it really a bad thing, right? Because these guys are coming back negative. These guys, than them being positive, right? That's what you're right. Asking. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. So while the integrity, yes, they got to get that better, and they have to be more accurate. And we're going to see with this new saliva test coming out what the accuracy is like. But I'm going to say it's not really the worst thing in the world because these guys are negative of COVID. That's a good thing. That 56 out of 2,600 players that have tested positive. That's probably lower now because because of the false positive, which which is a even lower percentage than it already is. Which speaks volumes also on the NFL's discipline and their guys' discipline out of these 2,600 players compared to the NCAAs, where kids are going to be kids. They're going to live their lives. They're going to be on campus. NFL's now getting paid to have protocols. They want to win titles. They know that if they want a season, they got to be strict, and you see the players actually upholding that. I have always said if there was one league I was going to bet on playing football this year, it's the NFL. And my oh, second one league playing sports this year is going to be the NFL. No, one league playing football. In oh. terms of high school, college, and XFL, the NFL. this, that, okay. Right, the XFL, C- CFL already canceled. Okay. Canada's smart. We're not. Um, so the NFL, I think, is going to happen. I always thought it was going to happen. And I think, actually, believe it or not, and this is a topic for a different show, I think high school is the second most important to play this year. I think it's even more important than college. But that's a different discussion. Again, we could talk about that on the side or in a different pod. Regardless, the NFL is doing what they have to do despite being late to the party. You know, it took them all the way up until the last week in July to kind of figure things out here. Yet here we are. We're under three weeks until the Houston Texans play at the Kansas City Chiefs. Great game. In Arrowhead Stadium where they'll get their Super Bowl rings, the banner will go up, and there's going to be 14,000 people in attendance. You know, and they they all have masks, and they're all going to be socially distanced. Now, the Chiefs did hold a team scrimmage with fans, and I saw pictures, and everybody was following the rules, from what I could tell. Now, that's one still image out of three to four hours of events, but it it looks good for teams like that. Miami just announced they're going to have thirteen thousand fans for their home opener. Again, massive mistake, massive mistake. I'm going to say it already, Ma- dude. Florida is the epicenter yeah, of this well, virus. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're right. Comparing Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri to Miami, Florida, especially with COVID numbers, is ridiculous. I think Miami should be a little more precautioned, but it should be a team-structured thing. 
depending on where you are and what your city is and how populated you guys are, I don't think some fans should be in stands. But I think some areas, like a Kansas City, Missouri, they'll be fine. Right. Well, it's not going to happen in New Jersey because Big Phil, I'm sure, is going to veto that. And if you don't know who Big Phil is, it's Phil Murphy. Como, I, I Como's too. He probably has a word in that too. Well, which is weird. That doesn't make a lot of sense at all. It should be Murphy's partners. decision. We're basically partners. We should not be partners. We play in New Jersey. It's that simple. <laughs> Cuomo forgot the Buffalo Bills played in in New York because he put up a symbol of all the sports leagues when he announced that they could play. He forgot the Buffalo Bills logo. Buffalo is a part different. of New York, too. New York City, East Rutherford, it's one, almost one. No, it's not. Route 3 sucks. But regardless, <laughs> we are not going to see fans in MetLife Stadium, I'm sure. I don't think for the entire year. But regardless, credit to those teams. But again, Roger Goodell should be sitting there saying, hey... Miami, you probably shouldn't be having people Pump there. The breaks a little bit. <laughs> yeah, little like bit I think the league should be able to step in there and kind of say something and, and and go from there. But regardless, each team to each their own. Joel, I'm getting super pumped. I'm counting down the days. I'm praying every night. I'm so excited. I mean, I'm watching Hard Knocks. Big, big Hard Knocks fan, by the way. I love Hard Knocks. Not only for its comedy and the inside information. But this year, the way they're covering COVID, you're just seeing guys doing different things. The Rams have rookies in hotels, separated from their families, which I know has got to be mentally taxing. But again, that's part of the protocols that they're following. Rex Ryan's son is a coach for the Rams. Actually, no, liar. He is a coach for the Chargers. Yes, sir. Coaches wide receivers. And he was one of the victims of a false positive. And they, they talked about that on Hard Knocks. It was, you know, he went into full panic mode because he thought he tested positive. And the exposure, he's already been around and stuff. Correct. Yeah. He, they said he couldn't sleep at all because he knew how much he had be, been around those guys. But what they have, Joel Ron, you show up every day. You get your COVID test. You go, you walk to this, this tech guy. They got a tracker. Anytime you're within six feet of somebody, blinks red. You blink red too much, gone. See ya. Beep, beep. Yeah. So it's you know it's those protocols that the NFL needs in order to be successful here. But God bless them. Good luck to them. I hope we're still in this spot next week. We'll again we'll provide you any updates to come to us. This has been episode thirteen. Go on a ton of fun. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at Gosker fifty six or on Instagram at Goose on the mic. Please leave your comments, your information, share it. Jolan, where can they reach out to you personally? and the podcast account if they would like to. You can follow me on Twitter at good old Joel's or on Instagram at Joel on Biokawa or uh, the Twitter of at podcast air it out or Instagram at air it out dot podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you can reach us there. Yeah, please do. We want to hear your feedback. We're going to have some audience members on the show in the coming weeks. we got Field Yates is coming on the podcast at some point. We're in the studio, new booth. It's going to be a ton of fun, although we can't tell you where that booth is because if we do, the FBI, well, you know, they might take care of us. You know the rest. But regardless, no, we're kidding. We're okay. We're safe. I promise we're here legally and everything. But until episode 14, Jolan, hopefully praying for live sports to continue. Until episode 14. 824, Mamba out, but never forgotten.